0: So we've had this series, haven't we, the last few weeks about follow, and you'll have all been listening to it. And there's been one person in this room, namely me, that has had this growing thought of, oh my goodness, I've got to follow the follow series. And how do you follow a follow series? How do you follow that? Well, hopefully this is how you do that. We'll see. And um, we've just done some singing there. I don't know whether you like singing, whether you enjoy singing. We're in this church, some people that sing on this platform regularly, they actually get paid to sing, you know. Not everyone who stands up here gets paid to sing, just to clear that up, but some people do, they're so good they get paid. Some of you might find when you sing, people pay you to stop singing. That might be your experience. Um, but there's something about a song, isn't there? You take some really good words and you add a melody to it and somehow you end up with something that seems to be greater than the sum of the parts. You know, we could have just stood up this morning and we could have just sung, said, I'm counting on your name, counting on your name, counting on your name to save me. I'm trusting you're the way, trusting you're the way, trusting you're the way, my saviour. And that would have been good. But I can guarantee that putting a tune to it, some of you are going to get home and you're going to have your lunch and you're going to be standing at the bowl washing up this afternoon and you're going to be going, I'm counting on your name. Canting on your neck, and you'll think oh she said that and I am <laughs> or you're going to sing you know you're there before me you're there beside me or whatever the words are there's something about a song when you get the words and you put music to it that gives it something something just extra that extra dimension and I believe that that is a really God created idea And we we know it, don't we? We watch The Voice on TV and, you know, because it's not just in here that happens, there's something about it. And you may not know, you may do that, the Bible is made up of lots of different types of writing and some of those writings are actually songs. The Bible has songs. And one of the books in the Bible that actually contains a lot of these songs is called the book of Psalms. And if you're not familiar with the Bible, they used to say you get a Bible and you kind of open it right in the middle and that's where you'll hit the book of Psalms. Of course, if you use an iPad or an iPhone, that doesn't work anymore. But you can check out the list and you can find the book of Psalms in the middle. And today I want to just look at one of the Psalms, um, probably one of the more famous ones, not the most famous, but one. And um, if you're familiar with the Bible, you'll definitely have heard this before. Even if you're not, you might hear some words that you think, I've heard that somewhere before because it is really famous. And it's Psalm number 139. And it was written, as a lot of the Psalms were, by one of Israel's kings called King David. He was an ancestor of Jesus Christ and he was a musician. And if you look at this Psalm in your Bible, you might find at the top there's a title that says something like for the director of music, for the worship leader or whatever. Because this is a song Unfortunately we don't have the music version of the Bible and so we don't have the tune, we don't really know what chords he strummed on his guitar, but we do know that it was a song. So when you hear the words that I'm going to read in a minute, just bear in mind that there would have been that extra kind of dimension to it. So let's read it together, the words will come up on the screen. I'm going to read it, you can listen, I didn't mean we'll all read it together. But Let me read it to you. You have searched me, Lord. And you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all of my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. You hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hands upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. "'Become night around me. "'Even the darkness will not be dark to you. "'The night will shine like the day, "'for darkness is as light to you. "'For you created my inmost being. "'You knit me together in my mother's womb. "'I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. "'Your works are wonderful, I know that full well. "'My frame was not hidden from you "'when I was made in the secret place.' When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I am awake, I am still with you. We'll leave it there. I've read this psalm lots of times before as some of you will have done too but when I was preparing this talk I thought I want to try and read it almost like this is the first time I've ever come across these words so I tried to have a real fresh eyes about it and straight away I found myself stopping because it says you have searched me Lord searched me what do you think about when you hear about someone being searched it's not always very positive is it and it reminded me of last year when I went on holiday um, with my husband, Alan, with two people who are part of this church, Chris and Helen, and we went on holiday together and on the way home, we were waiting in the airport in the queue for security. And you put all your stuff, don't you, in your plastic box, your shoes, your coins, your phone, your belt, your jacket. It's a good job that's as far as it goes, really. And you stand there in your socks waiting to go through that sort of square arch thing that's going to beep, or hopefully it doesn't beep. Now, I'd like to point out that me and my husband and Helen and Chris, I would like to think are really quite upstanding members of society. And more than that, me and Chris, we work for the church, for goodness sake. You know, we ought to be, yeah. So we're standing there in the queue and the security guard kind of beckons to Helen to come through and she walks through the arch, nothing happens, off she goes to find her shoes. Then my husband Al gets picked and off he goes through the arch leaving myself and Chris, the church working people, still waiting. When it is our turn, we do not get called to go through this arch. We get to go and stand in a kind of cylindrical-shaped booth thing with you sort of, you have to put your feet on a footmark thing, you put your arms in the air, and this thing whizzes round and round you and does a full body scan. And I found myself thinking, what was it about me and Chris that means that we have to go through the full body scan and them two just walk through the arch like everybody else. I don't know. You want to ask, don't you? But you don't want to talk to any of those people because they're all a little bit scary. So being searched, fortunately, that was as far as it went on that occasion. But it's not something that we tend to view with a very positive frame of mind. So why does God search David? Why you know, does God search everyone And actually, what is God looking for anyway? Well, the psalm says, God, you've searched me and you know me. So God is searching him so that he can know him. And there are other words of David that are recorded in the Old Testament. And there's one particular verse in 1 Chronicles where David is speaking to his son, whose name is Solomon. And this is what David says. He says, and you, my son Solomon, acknowledge the God of your father, And serve him with wholehearted devotion and a willing mind. For the Lord searches every heart and understands every desire and every thought. So it seems that God searches everyone. God knows everyone. No one is exempt. So what does God find out? Verse 2 we read said, You know when I sit and when I rise, you perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You're familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. So God searches everyone and he knows everything about them. He knows when you're still and when you're moving about. There isn't really any other ways to be, is there? You're either still or you're moving about. He even knows what you're thinking What goes on really in your head that even no one else might know? The passage talks about going out and lying down and it's talking about lifestyle. The things you do, the path you personally take through your life. The inside, the outside, the upside and the downside. God knows you completely. But I want to push this even further this morning and suggest to you that God probably knows you even better than you personally know yourself. Has anyone ever said to you, who are you? And you, you kind of start to say and you get a bit stuck. In fact, it's a really difficult question to answer. Let, let's try this out on me. So who am I? Well, I'm Rachel. But that's not who I am. That's what I'm called. My parents could have called me Susan or Sarah, or, but they didn't. There are other people. Some of you are also called Rachel, but you're not me. okay. Um, well, I work for the church, but that's not who I am. That's what I do. I'm a mother, but only to three people. I'm a sister, but only to my brother. I'm a daughter, but only to my parents. I'm a friend, but not to everyone. So who am I? I don't really know, to be honest. (laughs) You know, what is my real, true identity? And I read the dictionary definition of identity, and it says this. The sense of self providing sameness and continuity in personality over time. So our true identity, this, the part of us that God really, really knows, is something that doesn't really change. But often the things that we kind of put into our lives that we think are us, they do change and that's when we run into Problems. What happens when things change? My name, yes, is Rachel Juice, and It hasn't always been Rachel Juice, and Before I was married, it was a different name. And yes, I work for the church, but what if I lose my job? What if I retire? Which I'm not sure whether we're actually allowed to do. But in theory, or that might happen to you. Will part of my identity go with it? I'm a mum, but my kids are now all grown up and they don't really need me anymore. I'm actually more of a taxi service than a mother now am I still me? I heard recently, I was talking to somebody who has a long, kind of a long-term health condition and they were asked to go to a support group for a sort of a six-week program where they could all sort of help each other. And they were telling me about this and they made some quite astute sort of observations about this group of people. And When they went, they were asked, first of all, to introduce themselves. That's quite normal. And they were asked to do that in two ways. First of all, give us your name. And secondly, an interesting fact about yourself. And this person was telling me, and they said, you know, without exception, every single person went round and they said, my name is, whatever it was, I have had this health problem for a year. I've had it for six months. I've had it for three years. The interesting fact about themselves was how long they'd been ill. And she said somebody else was saying to the, to the group, you know, you just have to accept you're not the same person that you used to be. And I wanted to go to the group and go, no, you're absolutely the same person that you used to be. Yes, you may not be able to do all the same things, but you are still the same person that you were created to be. Now, I'm not in any way having a go at people who obviously is ill and I don't understand all of that. But we're in trouble if we take things into our identity that aren't really truly part of who we are called to be. But the good news is that even though we find it difficult to define sometimes, God knows you. He knows you better than you know yourself. And going back to the Psalms, it says, You created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one came to be. God knows your own unique identity. He invented you. God thinks that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. He thinks you're wonderful. Do you agree? Mm. If you don't agree, maybe you've taken something on board as your identity that really shouldn't be there. God knows the unique combination of thoughts, emotions, actions, personality, the things that make up the real you. He knows you and he thinks you're wonderful. Okay then, so what is your reaction to this What's your reaction? When you hear that God really knows me, what's your reaction? Maybe your reaction is, oh no. It's not a good thing that God knows me. If God knows everything about me, he knows what I did a week last Friday. He knows what I was thinking about last night. He knows what I was watching on the TV. He knows. That can be a scary thought. But you know King David who wrote this psalm, there were times in his life where he did things that he wasn't proud of. And he experienced probably this reaction. And so he thinks about the possibility of hiding from God. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you're there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn and I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even darkness is not dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. There is no escape from the presence of God. God knows you and he is everywhere. And when David's talking about if I go up to the heavens, he's saying, if I go as high as I possibly could, or down to the depths, if I go as low as I possibly can, when my life is just on the, in the pit, God is still there. And this phrase when he talks about rising on the wings of dawn and settling in the far side of the sea, that's a really interesting phrase and it's almost like an ancient way of describing what we would know as infinity. Because if you think about where David lived in Israel bearing in mind he wouldn't have had all the geographical knowledge of the world that we've got today. So to him, where the sun rises is the big landmass, which we would call Asia. And as the sun rises, and then if he's talking about settling in the far side of the sea, where the sun goes down the other side of the Mediterranean, as he would know it. So he's talking about kind of like this idea of east to west, east as far as he can go and west as far as he can go. And you know, you've probably heard this before but if you go north eventually you get to the top and you end up going south again and if you go south eventually you get to the bottom and you end up going north but you can go east forever and ever and ever and ever and you never go west and you can go west forever and ever and ever and you'll never go east it's infinite and in a different part of the psalms david says god you've you've taken my sin as far as the east is from the west and it's the same kind of concept of infinity and no matter how far you try to go, you'll never get away from the presence of God. I really like watching young children when they play hide and seek. Have you ever seen them? And they go like that. And they have this idea, I can't see you, so you can't see me. Don't you ever wish sometimes you put your hands over your eyes, you become invisible? That would be quite a useful uh, tool to have. And I remember seeing a photograph of this, this little child in a toy box face down playing hide and seek and the person had to put a little comments say just so you know she's hiding because obviously you could see her you know but she had this idea that because she couldn't see you you can't see me but don't we think about that with God sometimes God I can't see you at the moment in my life or I'm choosing not to look and it almost like think that you can't see me but he can so then David goes okay then if I can't escape from your presence let's try a different thing what about darkness? but even in the darkness, God is there. God is not put off a relationship with you because he knows you and he knows what you're really like. Maybe you're here this morning and you're just checking out faith and you're not really sure about it. God is still there. God knows you, everything about you, and he thinks you're wonderful. Maybe you knew God once, but now there's a distance, or maybe you've been Christian for years but feel distant. God is still there. He knows you and he thinks you're wonderful. You don't have to fear because God knows what you're really like because he wants a relationship with you. Or maybe your action isn't, oh no, to knowing God knows you. Maybe you think God knows me. So what? What real difference does that make? It all sounds great, really nice to come and hear that on a Sunday morning, but so what? What difference does it make? let's go back to verse 16 it says my eyes your eyes saw my unformed body all the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be god knows you knew you before you were born and has a story written for your life Now we can get a little bit hung up on this sometimes. Some Christians I think sometimes think God has a plan for my life and my duty is to find out what that plan is and stick to it rigidly. And it almost gets like you come downstairs in the morning, you open the cupboard, there's a box of cornflakes, a box of Weetabix and it's like, right God, which one? When you were writing the story of my life, did I have Weetabix this morning or did I have cornflakes? That's not really what this is about. God doesn't mind whether you have that or even skip breakfast completely. The word ordained means fashioned or shaped. And it's a little bit like the word that you might think of with a sculptor when he gets a big block of stone and he's chiseling away and he's shaping something beautiful. Or maybe an artist who's doing a painting. Or maybe a potter with some clay on a wheel. Making something, creating something with great love and great care something that's intended to be beautiful. And if things go wrong, what does he do? He just chisels a little bit more off and he makes it beautiful. Or with the clay, he'll kind of just maybe squish it back together and start again and make it beautiful. Or maybe an artist, a little bit goes a bit wrong, we'll just put a bit more paint on and we'll make it beautiful. The other thing, God doesn't throw your life together and think, well, you know what, I've got an awful lot of people to create. So I've kind of done with that. Or have you ever gone to buy a new car and someone said, don't buy the Friday afternoon car? Yeah? Those of you who don't, you know, Friday afternoon, the guys are assembling the car together and they're a bit like looking at their watches and the weekend's coming, I've got stuff to do, well, I'll just sort of throw it together, oh, there we go, that's done. Don't buy that car because it'll probably break down. God does not, you are not God's Friday afternoon person. Neither did God go to Ikea, get a flat pack and say, well, can you just kind of put it together yourself? There's the stuff. And hopefully all the screws are there. You know, God didn't do that. Your life is ordained as a beautiful creation that he is working on. So does it matter that God knows you? Well, yes, of course it does, because you can choose to live this life that God has designed and ordained for you. And we've heard lots in the last few weeks. You can choose to follow So God is not put off a relationship with you because he knows what you're like. God has ordained a plan for your life. God knows you and he thinks you're wonderful. So I'm hoping that however you feel about this, you might be starting to move towards a place of thinking, God knows me. That's good news. That's good news. I'm pleased that God knows me. And when David began to really understand this, he said, How precious are your thoughts, God. How vast is the sum of them. If I was to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I'm awake, I'm still with you. God's thoughts are special, high value thoughts. And a vast number of thoughts, infinite. And they're thoughts about you. You might think, but what about the person next to me or behind me? Well, God is infinite, so this isn't a problem to him. He can think infinite thoughts about everyone. He knows what you're like. He wants to know you. And as David begins to get this, he gets his excitement. God thinks about me. God knows me. He knows what I'm like. He wants to know me. And he gets his pen and he gets his paper out and he starts to write. He starts to form these words, this poetry. Then it's done. He gets out his phone. He rings his music worship leader person and says, get down here, I've written these most amazing words and I need a really good tune. He's getting excited and he's going to communicate and together they write a song. I really wish this morning we could have sing that song as they'd wrote it that day and hear how it would have sounded. We are going to sing, but we're going to sing a slightly different song Maybe the guys could start to head back um, just as I bring this to a close. We're going to sing songs with these words, not based on Psalm 139, but another one of David's psalms. We're going to take some really great words and we're going to add that extra dimension. And if this morning you identified with me when I said, God knows me, oh no. As we really sing and declare this song together, I want you to remember that God knows you. He knows what you're like and he still wants a relationship with you. And if in your heads there's another little voice going, oh, but he doesn't really, you know, shut, shut that voice out. Declare the song, shut that voice out and go, no, the word of God says you know what I'm like and you want me a relationship with me. Well, if you identified when I said God knows me, well, so what? Remember God knows you. He has a plan for your life. And again, as you're singing, as you're declaring it out, decide to follow it. Decide to put your life into that, the hands of that God who wants to make something beautiful. Maybe if you hadn't signed the follow board, you know, you could come and do that while we're declaring the song. That's fine. This song is a declaration that says, Even in the difficulties of life, God is still there. There's no need to fear. God knows you and he won't let you go. Let's stand. We're going to put some great words and a great tune together and declare this out.